show has returned. Welcome back to another season of Soccer from the Zoo. I'm Kyle Pinnell, and I am the host of Soccer from the Zoo. Usually, I am joined by Michael Howie, who will be back on the show in in the coming weeks. But first week of school, almost over. It is now Thursday uh, of that first week. It feels good to be back in the studio. First show of the year, a little bit of a different time slot. Last year, we were recording on Sunday nights. Now it is going to be Thursday mornings, right in the middle of all the soccer action between um, the beginning of the week and the weekend before things kick off. So instead of a little bit of a recap like we were able to do last year on Sundays, we're going to be able to preview a little bit better, talk about some more games. And again, you're listening to Soccer from the Zoo, a show on KCOU 88.1 FM Sports talking all things soccer. And as we normally start off, if you remember from last year, Everton and Tottenham. And because Michael's not here, I'm going to save the Tottenham talk for for the time being. But I do want to share some of my thoughts on Everton and their starts this season. My first thought here, looking at the roster. So, so first of all, Everton, four points in league play, a win midweek against Huddersfield in the Carabao Cup. It's been pretty encouraging. You look at the opening win that they had against Southampton. That was a 3-1 win, I do believe. And and that was convincing at the end, but it was a little shaky in the beginning. Everton conceding first to Southampton. Uh, Michael Keane has had a few defensive mishaps in, in the first two league games. The first one just thought he had longer on the ball than he did, giving it away. And there's the opening goal, but... What really impressed me was the resiliency from Everton, especially in the second half, to fight back into that game. And that starts with with Richarlison making a run into the box, getting his toe on the end of the ball, a perfectly weighted, kind of a little bit of a chip that hit the top top of the bar and, and fell in, into the net for for the equalizer. Then you have uh, Abdulik, <laughs> Abdulik, um Ducore. That's who I meant to say there. Still early morning here on Thursday. What a great game for him as well um, for for Everton. That second goal where he just, it doesn't even look like he has time and space and he's able to get a foot on the ball, do a little bit of dribbling, and then from right at the corner of the box to unleash, unleash a shot. Just an incredible, incredible goal. I did not even know he could do that. That's something I tweeted as, as soon as that happened. And honestly... Icing on the cake a few minutes later, Dominic Calvert-Lewin scores his first of the Premier League season off a service from Richarlison, man of the match for Everton, just getting a diving header on the ball. A 3-1 victory at Goodison Park in the first game for Rafa Benitez. Benitez, remember, has a little bit of um, not redemption, but it'll be an interesting early season for him because a lot of Everton fans among after the appointment with Carlo Ancelotti going to Real Madrid. And some of the things happening around the team, you have James Rodriguez hasn't played a game yet. I'll talk about that in a second. But you have fans who Benitez last coached in Merseyside at Liverpool. He's recently coached at China. Last time in the Premier League a few seasons ago with Newcastle. He's done some good things, but he still has to win some fans over, especially going from what Ancelotti wanted to do with his style of play. Not as much tactical, just managing players. He's very good at that. Just more of a beautiful style of soccer, playing out of the back, passing the ball. 
it started it helped Everton start the season really well. Of course, they were at the top of the table in September last year and then only to kind of slip and fall by the end of the season ending where they always usually do right after the Europa League spots, usually eighth or ninth. So that was a good win to get things started, especially in front of uh, Gladys Street End at Goodison Park. Next game you have at Leeds United. That was a 2-2 draw, a very entertaining 2-2 draw. I feel like that was a fair result for both sides. Everton, of course, coming into the game, better on the road last year. Honestly, better on the road than at home, um, oddly enough. But they looked to have almost all three points. They went up uh, 2-1 late in that game. And Leeds just showed some quality. (laughs) But, of course, it's Everton luck to be put in. A few seasons ago, they played at the Molyneux when uh, Wolverhampton had their first game in the Premier League in a long time in front of a packed house. The other, or yeah, just the other weekend, that was Leeds' first full home game. Um, I believe that's Ellen Road is where they play, and, and Leeds, um, Leeds, that's what I meant to say. That's their first pack route, and they are a group of fans known for just being rowdy, crazy, a very good group of fans. You could see that. And of course, Everton has to go into that environment and be the visitors for that game. So Everton getting a little lucky once again, but did well to handle it. A 2-2 draw, nothing to be ashamed of. Um, There are four points. They sit around sixth or seventh in the table. If I do remember correctly, I'll go through tables a little later too. A pretty solid start for Everton. There are some things you want to clean up. You want to clean up uh, Michael Keane, some of the mistakes he's made. You want to get Ben Godfrey, the pace he has on that back line for Everton in as soon as possible. But I I come away from those first two games being relatively pleased with what I've seen from Everton. It's a different style of play. More types of 4-4-2 with Richarlison acting more as a second striker behind Dominic Calvert-Lewin. There's there's still some kinks to work out. It's just the first opening few weeks of the season. But I've been impressed with what I've seen so far. Looking at a few players before I move on from Everton, Damari Gray has really impressed me. I mean... His game at Leeds, he was one of the standouts. There were a couple of times in that game where I'm watching and he's just blazing down the right-hand side or he's blazing down the left-hand side. Uh, He created that first goal that Everton scored. And I I mean, his pace, it's just night and day different. It had some purpose. Um, I believe he was with Leicester last, or Leicester City last. And, And he just brought something especially he looks like a player who can thrive under Rafa Benitez's style and can help Everton down the wings if you have one side on the left Lucas Digne or Luca Digne Richarlison other side you have Seamus Coleman and Damari Gray then you have Andres Townsend coming in off the bench I mean it was an underwhelming summer transfer window for Everton honestly but you look at those wings there's a lot of danger you can see right there and then you have the middle of the park with Alan Ducore who showed some quality the defense is one that you want to get a few pieces together. Jordan Pickford's still in net. There's a lot of positivity, but then, as they always say for Evertonians, it is often the co- uh, it's often the hope that kills you. Last things last, uh, Everton won their first Carabao Cup game 2-1. They went down to 10 men. Alex Awobi, another player who's had an interesting start to the season um, in, some, in some pretty good ways. He scored a goal and a nice pass from Tom Davies. Andres Townsend, late game winner in front of, I believe that was the Gladys Street. And you could just see these fans erupt. And boy, is it nice to have fans back at Goodison Park 
roaring on uh, and cheering on Everton. So a very, very exciting opening weekend schedule for them. I believe they were just drawn yesterday afternoon to play against Queens Park Rangers in the third round of the Carabao Cup. And so I think that'll be an intriguing matchup. Queens Park, another pretty solid team, but something that's manageable, especially if you're Everton. And, and as I pull up Everton's schedule, I believe it's pretty, pretty weak as far as an early season schedule goes. Uh, as it loads, I forget who they have next. I really should know that. Uh, yeah, they have. They go to Brighton this weekend. That's going to be a 9 a.m. game. And then they host Burnley, travel to Aston Villa. Then you have QPR. That's on the road on September 21st. Then you host Norwich. So Everton has a manageable schedule. And you look up until really October 2nd, they travel to Old Trafford, uh, a place that's always given them issues. Manchester United honestly look to be on the inside track to at least uh, be in the race for the top uh, to win the Premier League, I should actually say. Um, and I, I think they will fight for that. Then they host West Ham. Watford so a pretty manageable schedule just looking through it uh, tough a couple of tough games West Ham and I want to talk about them a little later too they're really good and it is scary to watch them in all the good ways David Moyes have has done so many good things with that team Moisey Keane scored the other score in the Carabao uh, or Moisey Keane he did not score he had a few good shots uh, he got some action after being loaned out to PSG uh, last year it doesn't look like he'll be in Everton for long if they want to free up some space they might need to sell him along especially if he doesn't want to be playing at Goodison Park another player who doesn't want to be there it seems is Thomas Rodriguez um, great signing last year uh, big name but we all knew that it was for Carlo Ancelotti and he showed a lot of quality he helped Everton win their first Merseyside Derby at Anfield in decades but he wasn't playing consistently enough. And if you look at the way that Rafa Benitez wants to play, he doesn't really fit into that style. And Everton, you can just see the fight. You can see the work. You can see that mindset. And that's been what's so fun to watch. And Hamas, for as brilliant as he is, he might just not fit into Rafa Benitez's system. And, and while I don't like him coming out on Twitch and quite and saying, like, who's Everton playing this upcoming week? Um, like, he doesn't know. That's frustrating. But you move him on. It is what it is. Disappointing it didn't work out. But, of course, he was here for Carlo Ancelotti. Okay, the next segment of the show, I, I decided to call it We're Here, We're There, and We Are Everywhere. This is the weekly recap of some of the best games from around the world over the last few days. I'm going to start in Germany. A lot of compelling games there. One sneaky good Sunday afternoon, Bayern Munich 3 FC Kuhn 2. And boy, what a second half that was. It was 0-0 zero zero at halftime. And then it went 2-2 two two with end to end action. In the span of 12 minutes, there were four goals in the second half. Bayern still won the game. That was at the Allianz Arena in, in Munich. But it was closer than a lot of people would have thought. A, a little um, quieter as well, unfortunately, just because of where um, the... Where we are at, German German stadiums, I believe, are hard uh, making it a hard capacity for um, for games just because of COVID. I know England's not doing that as much. Like I said, Goodison Park was filled, but that's how Germany's handling it. So it's created some interesting match day environments. 
Bayern Munich used to winning their fans, showing up for a game against FC Kuhn, but it was a very entertaining one. Uh, a few standouts for me. Uh, Musiala, the international, I believe he's um, looking between Germany and England, um, or that was a decision he did have to make earlier. He had a great game when he subbed on. He's, he's super young um, for Bayern uh, Munich. And as I look up that age now, he is just 18 years old. I'm older than Musiala. What a talent he is, though. You can see it in one of the goals for Bayern Munich. He just gets the ball, drives to the end line, beats a few defenders, and just creates that goal. I believe it was Navri who scored it. But he's just such a bright young talent. Bayern Munich has another great young player uh, going through the ranks. Um, so, yeah, he stood out to me. That game, I mean, Bayern's defending. It was interesting. It was one of those games where Kuhn just kept answering a great performance by them. Unfortunately, it was undone late into the game um, with Bayern finding finding the winner. So I, I do think it was fair. I think it was a really good game that not a lot of people or a lot of people may not have watched. That's why I want to highlight that. Another game. This one started off the Bundesliga weekend. This one at SC Freiburg. Um, Dortmund Freiburg. Two, two to Dortmund, one uh, to the home side in the southwest uh, of Germany. The highlight from this, a free kick golasso from Vicenzo Grifo, uh, Grifo in the sixth minute uh, to, give, uh, to give Freiburg uh, momentum. That was 2-1 Freiburg. I meant not 2-1 Dortmund in, in that game. But boy, that was such a beautiful goal from outside the box on the left, just curling the ball into the back corner of the net. What a what a win that was. And Freiburg's a team known for some of the performances they put together at home against these Giants. They're, they can win every, any, on any given weekend, and they can lose. Dortmund just kind of underestimated a task, and it's a team that started the season off so well. You have that 5-2 to two win to start that season uh, against um, uh, Eintracht Frankfurt. And... And then you go, you lose to Bayern Munich, and uh, I believe that was DFB Pokal action, uh, one of the two. But still, Dortmund's had a good start to the season, getting caught off guard there by Freiburg. So it wasn't the strongest of starts for um, either uh, of Bayern Munich or uh, Dortmund. Uh, as far as, yeah, I mentioned SC Freiburg is one of those plucky teams. Another, and I think this is my last... My last game in the Bundesliga I wanted to share, and this was what kicked off the weekend. And boy, and that was a 3-1 loss, by the way, against Bayern in the DFL Super Cup is what that is on a 2-1 loss to Freiburg. Okay, kicked off the weekend. As far as from an American perspective, two Americans coaching in it, Jesse Marsh for RB Leipzig, and um, for VF based Stuttgart, it was Pellegrino Matarazzo, both from the um, Northeast in the United States. And 4 0 to Mars's Leipzig team, rebounding from a 1 0 defeat at Mainz the weekend before. It was quite the game. I mean, lots of quality goals. You can see Leipzig above, um, or just their quality and pressing and how they want to play and some of these patterns that they're doing. Lots of excitement uh, around that team, especially after after that opening loss, some adjustments. I mean, Stuttgart isn't the best team in the Bundesliga by any means, but this game just got out of hand quickly. I, I mean, 
one of the players here, um, Dominic Shabashloy, Shab- uh, <laughs> um, had a couple of really good goals. The first in the 38th minute um, just picks out a beautiful, it looked like a cross, but it went into the top left corner anyway um, of the net. And, and then another at the top, and I think another was a free kick. Great game by him. Some absolute screamers. There were a lot of great goals um, in the Bundesliga over over the weekend. Um, the, another one of Leipzig's goals scored um, scored by Emil Forsberg right after halftime. It's just beautiful team buildup play, just passing right through the middle of Stuttgart. Some back heels, some one-two touches, and then like a toe-tap finish by Forsberg. It was just absolutely, absolutely stunning. And just an overall good um, good team win by um, RB Leipzig, who, of course, should be in the top four conversation. Another, I was just talking about spectacular goals. This isn't a... Um, this isn't a game that I highlighted, of course, but VFL Bochum versus Mainz. Bochum won 2 nothing, And oh my gosh, Jarrett Holtman in the 21st minute, one of the goals of the season, it has to be, wasn't just a strike from outside the box, but it was just an individual effort. Dribbled all the way down the length of the field, making defenders look crazy. Slots into the back of the net. I would definitely look up that goal. It was just absolutely incredible an individual goal you don't see that much anymore and as people like to say if that was messy that would be making the rounds all over the world that would be number one on the sports center top 10 so a very good weekend in the bundesliga some exciting games i think i should be shifting over to the premier league now for a game then then an mls um recap here a very exciting game and it's on right there in the premier league though always lots of good games to choose from the one I wanted to touch on here, Chelsea 2, Arsenal or Arsenal nil. And oy, what a start to the season. It's been for Arsenal a couple of 2 nothing losses in, in league play, starting off traveling to Brentford against a newly promoted side who came up through the playoff. They didn't even get an automatic promotion and losing um, just a few miles away from Emirates Stadium in, in just an underwhelming first game. Mikel Arteta kind of on the hot seat now. Um, for for Arsenal, the big storyline here, Romelu Lukaku scores his first Chelsea goal here. Coming off a low cross, you can just see the strength he has to get in great position and into a great position between between the center backs for um, for Arsenal. You can see where, where he was at with Inter Milan. Of course, the transfer due to just poorly run finances over at Inter Milan. And he's very happy where he is at and and Chelsea. So Arsenal not doing good. Romelu Lukaku is back for Chelsea. Chelsea's in the top four hunt as always. So much talent. It just adds Romelu Lukaku. You still have a roster with Kai Havertz, um, Christian Pulisic when he's in. Uh, so many talented, talented, talented players. I could list through them all, but that would take too much time. Good result for Chelsea once again. Going to MLS real quick, quickly. Seattle 2 Columbus won a rematch of last year's MLS Cup final. I absolutely loved the TIFO on display at Lower.com Field. Beautiful stadium. That name's going to throw me off, uh, especially compared to the old Matt Frey Stadium. Just all these trophies in this huge scale. And, of course, that this was the MLS Cup matchup last year that Columbus won um, against Seattle. 
just dwarfing them with all the trophies. That was just a power move by Columbus, and I absolutely loved it. But yeah, the action really started late, and it came in the 87th minute via Bradley Wright Phillips, scoring his first goal as a member of the Columbus crew in the 87th minute, like I mentioned. Just a ball knocked down off a corner kick by uh, Yunus Mensa, and and just turns and fires. And Bradley Wright Phillips does what he does, finds the bottom of the corner net, of the net. The fans go crazy. It looks like a win for for Columbus, but it's not because Seattle, like they have all season, for some ungodly reason, they they can just win games. They know how to win under Brian Schmetzer. They just look very very good. Very well coached. Never, never say die mentality. They show that in Columbus in one of the most impressive late game comebacks I've seen in a while. To go down one nothing in the 87th minute and the win two one. I mean, just a few minutes later, uh, Ariaga, an equalizer, comes in off a cross from the left corner, puts it into the back of the net. Then you have um, Madronda just a few minutes later finding Will Bruin, uh, Bruin. For just a wonder goal from just a nicely placed shot that just goes into the top corner of the net. Beautiful, beautiful look. Seattle wins again. They are just on a roll in MLS right now. You have Seattle. I believe they are. They are in first place with 42 points. Just three above Sporting Kansas City. 12 wins, six draws, three losses. Another amazing season for for them, so that's definitely an MLS game I wanted to highlight. Never write off MLS. Lots of exciting action there all the time. And that will do it for our, our weekly recap as we hit the bottom of the hour, just going to the break. When I come back, um, I will be talking about a few things that I'm thinking about um, when it comes to soccer. Look at some of the tables, some of the transfers, and name some of my players of the week. Again, you are listening to Soccer from the Zoo on KCOU 88.1 FM. Welcome back to Soccer from the Zoo on KCOU 88.1 FM. Now looking at the back half of the show, still plenty of talk to talk about after recapping what has been an exciting week in, in global soccer from all over the world. This next segment, like I said, is what I, I'm going to call just a few things I'm thinking about. Still workshopping a more creative name for that one. The first topic is of very much interest to fans of the U.S. men's national team. Christian Pulisic, who was diagnosed with COVID, asymptomatic, just just a little or a few days ago, I should say. Now, held out of Chelsea's game against Arsenal. I believe he's going to miss the game against Liverpool this weekend as well. And that leads to the question, will he be able to travel to the United States to play in World Cup qualifiers uh, when the U.S. travels to Ecuador, they host Canada, and I believe they have a—I forgot where that third game is, but I think it was like in Jamaica or something. Uh, I do know the first two are Ecuador, Ecuador and Canada. Yeah, it is, it is at Jamaica. Um, or no, it's at Honduras. That is my bad. So that's where that game is. Will he make it back to the United States? How, how do these regulations work? And because if you're the U.S. men's national team without Christian Pulisic, there's still plenty of talent. And what a place that Coach Greg Berhalter finds himself in right now to not have to worry about Christian Pulisic. Now, you'd love to have him. World Cup qualifying, we all know what happened the last time 
um, that World Cup qualifying um, went around. I'm not going to go over that. But it just underscores the importance of every game. The number one rule in World Cup qualifying, you got to win your home games. That home game is going to come against Canada. And, and that's going to be a very important game. But you also got to get something on the road. Hard results. I mean, you're playing at Ecuador, at Honduras. Those are good young teams that will pack a punch. And this is CONCACAF. You can't just go in and play every country expecting to roll them over. The U.S. learned that lesson if, uh, in the last cycle. Ecuador, I believe they made it. They were going to have some. They were going to host their qualifiers in the United States just because of the COVID restrictions. I believe the government said that they are only allowing vaccinated fans to attend and using it as a public health campaign to go support Ecuador. That's just an amazing thing to hear, and it should make for an interesting um, and very pressure-packed matchup in Ecuador. But back to Christian Pulisic, some good news on that front. This morning, um, Weston McKinney posted like a sponsored ad for Chipotle, and Christian Pulisic comments, got to head, uh, head to Portal the first thing in Nashville or something along those lines. So it sounds like Christian Pulisic will be able to come to Nashville. I think the way that it's working in the UK is, is that if you, um, it's a 10 day thing. If you don't test um, positive again, if you test positive again, that's another 10 days. And so it, that sounds good on, on that front. And it's so important to have Pulisic, especially as a goal scorer, because you're going to be missing Jossie Zardes who injured himself in MLS play with the Columbus crew. Your striker pool is weak. Your best strikers may be Josh Sargent. You have um, P. Falk. Yeah, I mean, Daryl DK, he, he hasn't been playing his best as of late. So you need a player like Christian Pulisic in there, and you look at the wingers. You bring in a Brendan Aronson. You have Giovanni Reyna on the other side. Whatever you decide to do if you're Greg Berhalter, but it's so nice knowing you have Christian Pulisic coming. Good for him on a personal health standpoint. Good for the U.S. men's national team. Nine points. The difference between making the World Cup and not making the World Cup was as little as two points last year. I believe that was Argentina and Chile um, or Peru, one of those teams. I know Argentina was one where you barely mess up and that's it. The U.S. needed to rely on other teams to make the World Cup in 2018 in Russia. That didn't happen. And that stresses how important this window is. So if you're Greg Berhalter, great to have Pulisic there. It's going to be a very exciting upcoming window. And I'm super excited um, I will be at that game against Canada. First time ever going to see the USMNT. Should be an exciting one. The next thing I'm thinking about, and this has to do with the international break as well, club versus country. As of just a few days ago, the Premier League announced that it will not release players for international duty if those areas are on the United Kingdom's red list. This is the government's red list here, not just the Premier League's thing. Some of those countries include Argentina, Brazil, Chile and Peru, and, and plenty of others. And, and that's not good. I mean, it's a public health thing, and I'm not going to debunk public health. It, it's, it's important. But you also look at these players, and they want to play for the clubs. They're not being released to their international teams to represent their country and try and qualify for a tournament they've dreamed of playing. These are some players like Richarlison for Everton. You look at Liverpool. I believe Mohamed Salah was not allowed to go help Egypt try and even attempt to make a World Cup in AFCON qualifiers. Sadio Mane as well. Firmino, of course, is also Brazilian like Richarlison. Allison, Brazil plays Argentina in the next window. And they're not being released because they're in that um, red zone. And 
Gab Marcotti puts it really well. I mean, if FIFA really wanted to, they can ban those players from club competition and make it like an incentive. But these teams, if you think of it from their perspective, they let these players go. They don't have them for about a month. And with how often these windows take place, that's that's going to be a lot of missing these players. And this is just puts the players in a no-win situation. It's a crappy one where they can't go represent their countries. And, and you get the importance of the club game. You get the situation and where the world is at right now. But Marcotti also brought up the point. Uh, Peru, I believe, which which is one of the countries um, that players are not allowed to return to from England without that quarantine period. They have a higher vaccination rate and, and so, than the United Kingdom. And again, there are a lot of factors that go into that. I'm not going to debunk public health. Um, I get the purpose behind it, but that's just a crappy thing for some of these players. Um, and of course, the U.S. government comes out looking like bad guys because they're forcing these decisions on on the clubs. And you get it from both perspectives, but really you feel for players. And I think that's something that could be looked at and changed in the coming days. Staying in England. Oh boy, West Ham United. I mentioned this a little bit earlier. Unbelievable from them. They sit number one in the Premier League with six points, two consecutive wins, and, and with a goal differential of five. Coming off of um coming off of a recent win against Leicester 4-1 um against Leicester. And then they hosted um, Newcastle, uh, no, they traveled to Newcastle. That's what it was. Four two against Newcastle over the season. What uh, what a beginning of the season has been for David Moyes' side. I mean, they look really good when they play. Still, some things to iron out, but the way they've been winning games, four one result at home against Leicester City is impressive. Leicester City is one of the teams you you lump these Premier League sides together: Everton, Leicester, Wolves are up there, West Ham. All of these teams, last year it was Leicester. This year it might be West Ham who are going to continue the build on their finish to last season and try and be the next team into that top four. It's a very competitive middle-tier Premier League teams, and West Ham look to be in control. They've looked solid. And it's more than just these last two games. They've looked solid since last season under Devin Boyce. You have players, Declan Rice, uh, Mikel Antonio, a brace that turned a 2-1 lead late into a 4-1 dominant victory with some incredible goals. Flick on to himself, powers the ball past Peter Schmeichel. The second goal, he just flicks the ball above a defender's head and taps it in again. And he's now West Ham's leading scorer, I believe. He celebrated with a, a, a giant cutout of himself. He's been amazing. And West Ham have been really, really good. So the question is, like, does West Ham have the inside track at the five, uh, fifth or sixth spot? Could they make a top four push? Um, can they fight for, for that Champions League? And I'm going to run through a few of the teams in the Premier League table. Uh, West Ham, number one. Chelsea in second. Liverpool in third. Brighton in fourth. Tottenham in fifth. All five of those teams have not dropped points yet. Manchester United, sixth. Everton, seventh. Brentford, eighth. City, ninth. Villa, tenth. Leicester down in 12th right now with just three points. It's not going to stay that way. Brighton's going to fall out. You have Chelsea, I think, a very strong shout to make the top four. You have United and City, both strong shouts to make the top four. So then you're looking at Liverpool. Where does Liverpool fall into this equation? 
I think Liverpool has a top a good shot at the top four as well. Then you have Tottenham and um, then you have Tottenham as that next team. So you look at some of those, and if you're West Ham, you see why not? You're essentially competing with Liverpool for that fourth spot. And I don't think I think there's still a gulf between the two. So I don't think they make the top four, but I think they're going to further cement themselves in that best of the rest category. And, and West Ham look good um, after the history they have playing in front of their fans again. A very demanding bunch of fans should make for some exciting games at, at London Stadium. Now, the last few things: Ronaldo and Harry Kane. I'll talk a little bit about them. Ronaldo trying to force his way to Manchester City. Of course, he first played in the Premier League for Manchester United. Wants a different challenge than Juventus um, and, and is trying City. This is only open because Harry Kane, after a long and drawn-out transfer saga with him sitting out and then saying that um, that was for a different reason and terrible PR and whatever it is with him, he announced he's going to stay with Tottenham for this summer is how he worded it. He carefully worded it. But that opens up the room for City. With the transfer window closing this upcoming Tuesday, there's space for, for Ronaldo. We'll see if that gets done. It's rumors at this point. The problem for City, Ronaldo's wages and Juve's high asking price. He's also 36, Cristiano Ronaldo, which at this point means absolutely nothing if you've seen Cristiano Ronaldo. So yeah, that'll be interesting. Again, Harry Kane will stay at Tottenham at least for the time being. And then you have Ronaldo. I think that's going to be good for the Premier League. Seeing Ronaldo back in City just makes City even more stacked than they already are. You have that team. like It's going to make such a great race between the two Manchester sides. Then you have Chelsea. The Premier League is going to get even stronger at the top. You bring Ronaldo, you can't turn that down. And from a, a watching perspective, it's going to be fun if that happens. Now, he could stay Juventus for at least this upcoming window as well. It's just interesting to see that he does want a new challenge. Ricardo Pepe also announced during the MLS All-Star game last night. MLS uh, won in penalty kicks after a 2-2 draw in, in normal time against Liga Emeki's All-Stars and, and whatever you think that's worth. Ricardo Pepe, game-winning penalty. Also announced at halftime that he has been called up to the United States men's national team. And I went over the striker situation of that team just a few minutes ago before break um, or a little bit after break. They need a striker. Ricardo Pepe, a young player, dual national, deciding between Mexico and the United States. He was on Extra Time Radio. I remember Andrew Wiebe of MLS Soccer tweeted that he was getting the feeling that Pepe was leaning toward Mexico. Conflicting reports last night, but it looks like he he's I was at least caught up to the U.S. men's national team for this upcoming window. And if I'm not wrong, I believe that does cap tie him to the United States. And this is an exercise you don't want to do just for cap time. You can see there are some reasons and teams that do that. Mexico also does it. But if you're the United States, you need a striker. I think this is a very realistic call-up. He has been in good form for FC Dallas, a good young player, a lot of potential for the U.S. men's national team. So I think that's very exciting in its own right. At least Burhalter made the call-up, and that'll be interesting to see how that plays out. So before I talk a little bit about some transfers at the bottom half of the show, I'm going to run through the table. I ran through the Premier League standings, just looking quickly at the top four or five from most tables. I'm going to start in MLS. Eastern Conference, New England, so far and above the rest of the East. 49 points, 15 clear of second place Orlando City. 
And then you have Philadelphia and Nashville round out the top four New York City FC behind them. New England has been playing an unbelievable season. I, admittedly, it's a team I don't watch a whole heck of a lot of just because they're on at different times. I have to pay attention to what the Timbers are doing and what's going on in the Western Conference or Sporting Kansas City. But I mean, they are just in pole position for for the supporters shield. You look at how good of a season Seattle's been having. I mentioned they're in first with 42 points. New England, seven points clear of that. They've had an amazing season. Sporting Kansas City looking in the West second, just three points behind Seattle. Colorado Rapids continue a stellar season under coach Robin Frazier in third, followed by the Galaxy with 35 points. Minnesota in fifth, Real Salt Lake, and then San Jose round out the playoffs. Portland and LAFC with 24 and 23 points, respectively, right below the line. Going to the Bundesliga, Wolfsburg, uh, first, in, first in the Bundesliga table with six points. Solid defense, that was, was their calling card last year. It looks like they have another stellar season ahead. Uh, Hoffenheim in second, uh, Bayer Leverkusen. I believe they had a three-goal victory over the weekend. Uh, three or four goal victory, I should say. They looked impressive. Bayern Munich in fourth. Uh, Freiburg in fifth. Going down the table, you have RB Leipzig in sixth. Dortmund seventh. Kuhn eighth. Um, for the Bundesliga, that will kind of shake out. You expect to see Bayern and Dortmund and Leipzig in the top four. Leverkusen, Wolfsburg. Those are a few teams that could be fighting for for those places as well. Um, Borussia Mönchengladbach, they'll, they'll fight their way back but not good to be sitting in 16th in the table at the moment. Serie A just started this last weekend. Inter Milan with a four-goal win sits atop the table. Lazio behind them, followed by Roma and Napoli. Bologna also picking up a win is in fifth. Milan in eighth. Juventus with a draw puts them in 10th. Not much you can really take into account from these tables because it's just the first few weeks of of the season looking at La Liga before I continue on the transfers Sevilla in first Atletico Madrid in second Real Madrid in third Barcelona in fourth you got Barcelona Real Madrid Atletico Madrid they're probably gonna be in the top four then you're just looking at that last place my uh, Real Mallorca in fifth they'll probably fall down a little bit as well but you have those big three teams at the top of La Liga and then another team trying to fight for that place as we will see in the coming weeks uh, we just have 10 minutes left of the show still plenty to talk about so I'm going to try and do this really quickly some transfer talk Kurt Zuma uh, for Chelsea I know that West Ham and Chelsea agreed to a 30 million pound transfer fee uh, the thing is Zuma wants 125,000 a week uh, which was more than or which is about what he was making at Stanford Bridge maybe a little bit more a high weekly wage but if he can get into that West Ham side it just makes a great side, a little bit stronger. I, I'm very intrigued by that. I think just the agreement was put in place. Uh, Zuma was a fan favorite when he was playing with Everton. Would be a good uh, piece of business by West Ham before for the deadline. This would make him the highest paid player on Tavin Moyes' squad. Um, Zuma wants to stay in London. That's probably a good fit for taking a step down and getting more time than what he would have at Chelsea. But still, uh, that's interesting. Um, we talked about Kane. We talked about uh, Cristiano Ronaldo. The other big news, Kylian Mbappe, PSG just continuing to put off large sums of money being just thrown at them for, for Mbappe. I believe Real Madrid made a £137 million pound offer uh, or a million euro offer for Mbappe. I think that 
the offers got as large as 160 million and they keep turning him down and you look at this PSG side Mbappe wants a new challenge as well right and one of his childhood teams I believe reading one of his favorite teams Real Madrid always dreamed of playing for them that kind of begs the question is this the right time for a move for him um I think it is I think he could use a new challenge too you get PSG that's stacked when, when Serie uh, not Serie uh, Lagoon for one season, you're playing for the Champions League. If you're an Mbappe, you want to stay at least one more season to try and fight and, and win that Champions League title coming so close already. Neymar, Mbappe, Messi, Messi just incredible, but teams are interested. I don't know where Real Madrid's getting this money after their financial situation, but somehow they do have it. And so I think it's where Mbappe wants to leave. We'll see how that play plays um, out. I, I believe reading... Um, PSG said, we said no to the first offer, but if the conditions are met, we will see. That was reported by Fabrizio Romano um, out in Italy, a very reputable source. I believe he's like the woge of global soccer. So it seems like PSG are willing, although I don't know how much more you want other than for a fair offer other than like 160 million euros. I guess at that point, it's just like how much money it is. So that's another thing to be keeping um, in the back of your mind, Kylian Mbappe news. Uh, going on to some of my players of this last week. Starting off, I talked about him a little bit in a recap. Dominic Shabashlai, or Shabashloy, however, um, however that, that's pronounced. Two goals, two incredible goals to help um, RB Leipzig to its first win of the season. First home win for American coach Jesse Marsh and his first Bundesliga game, I believe, is what it was as well. Great game for him. And and then a win. Then got to go give the La Liga some love. Vinicius Jr., a two-goal performance in, in what became a 2-2 draw um, over, over the weekend. And boy, Madrid down 2-1. Vin, uh, Vinicius had an equalizer in the 73rd minute, just getting behind the, uh, behind the back line. And then had the equalizer, or the eventual equalizer. Um later in the game he looks sharp he looks fast he looks really 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 good an exciting piece of your Real Madrid that was Levante and that was a 3-3 I should say my bad on that one scoring the um scoring the 73rd and 85th so that is a little bit of what he has done and the second goal is just no one knows if he meant to do it or not he will say he meant to score that goal an absolutely wonderful strike um, for, the, for the equalizer. I believe he used the outside of his right or left foot to put that one into the back of the net. So an exciting reason to watch Real Madrid. Of course, a team that loves stars. They have a young one in Vinicius Jr. Of course, they still have Eden Hazard, Kareem Benzema. If you're into a little bit of an older striker action, Madrid should be an intriguing watch this season as they often are. My third player of the week, Mikel Antonio. I talked about it a little bit already. Um... Uh, he is now West Ham's all-time leading goal scorer. Those two unbelievable goals. West Ham uh, were just up 2-1 against a good side in Leicester before that happened. And, and then he helped really cement that win for them at home at London Stadium. So two goals, really impressive goals to help secure a win. Those are my three players of the week, something I do hope to do on a weekly be- uh, basis. Now looking at some of the upcoming games for the weekend, some things what I'm watching and what I'm looking at. Liverpool, Chelsea in the Premier League. 
Saturday, 9.30 a.m. Central, should be a very exciting game um, between two teams who are going to be in the top four race all season long. This game could come back later in the season um, if only one or two points separate the sides or from the top of the table. That's what makes this such an intriguing early season clash. Both teams are undefeated. Liverpool-Chelsea always produces some good good soccer. This is at a watchable time if you're in the central time zone. I believe this is just on um, normal NBCSN, not on Peacock. And that's the game they have been promoting for Premier League mornings. So that's one of the games I'm excited for. Just going to go to Bundesliga real quick. I do like watching the Bundesliga. It's a league I'm probably going to be behind like MLS, Premier League, Bundesliga. Those are probably the three leagues I watch the most. Wolfsburg, though, versus RB Leipzig. Probably the best game of the weekend um, in the Bundesliga. Leipzig, of course, coming off that 4-0 victory. Wolfsburg undefeated. But if you look at Wolfsburg's schedule, they haven't really played much of anyone yet. And they had a good season last year, so they're building on that. I definitely see them as a top half of the table team. This is their first real test, which will take place at 8.30 a.m. Central on Sunday, I do believe. Uh, oh, that's going to be 10.30 a.m. Central. Um, apologies for that. My computer likes, or must still be on Pacific time from earlier. Anyway, so if you look at Wolfsburg, they have that. Um, the only two teams they've played in Bundesliga, they had a 2 win versus Hertha Berlin, and then they beat VfL Bochum. Um, just one nil. So first challenge is going to be against Jesse Marsh's side. They get to host them in Wolfsburg. So another exciting game for for me. Um, let me just make sure this Chelsea game. If I put some of these times in, where yeah, okay. So that is an eleven thirty game. It took my computer a few days to adjust to Central Time apparently. So that's going to be an eleven thirty a.m. Central game for Liverpool versus Chelsea. And then you have uh, PSG playing Reims at um, checking my computer again, just because of that central time zone thing. Okay, that is. So 1.45 p.m. Central on Sunday. Not really the most intriguing game, but you can see Lionel Messi. So I guess if that's all you want to do, that's when PSG, Messi, Mbappe, Neymar, that whole line plays. And that, or with that, it should do it for this week for the first episode back on KCOU 88.1 FM over the airwaves. This has been soccer from the zoo. I'm very excited for this season to keep tabs on soccer all around the world Um, from Mizzou, where I guess I should mention Mizzou is um, currently 0-2 with a negative nine goal differential, but we'll play tonight against Indiana State at home. Uh, Admission is free for anyone who wants to go attend those games. I forgot to mention that, but that's where they're at. Soccer from all around the world. Uh, You can listen to the Kansas City Soccer Updates, usually posting around the weekends. Just plenty of soccer content on the feed. I'm just happy to be back, hopefully getting Michael back in the studio soon to kind of go back and forth about Tottenham, talk about some of these larger points uh, and what should be a very exciting season. Thank you again for tuning in this morning or listening to the podcast. Again, I'm Kyle Pinnell, and enjoy all the soccer in store for what should be um, a very, very good weekend. And remember the new time zone, or the new time, I should say, is going to be Thursdays um, now between 9 and 10 a.m.
Thank you.